my friends, and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast. I'm your host, Will Gottlieb. You can follow me on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. And I'm joined, as always, by my good mate and the most hated man on Niche Bulls Twitter, Mark K. At MK Hoops on Twitter, Mark Karantzoulis. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, have you noticed, William, that there is a growing trend on this podcast with our producer set? More recently, have you noticed this? That Joey just never wants to produce our show. Yeah, I'm just, um, just, just interesting. I'm just, it's just a mental note I'm taking. We've got Stephen Town on the controls. I've heard that there is some uh, source. I'll, I'll say this: sources close to the situation are telling me <laughs> that uh, people in Joey Spaths's camp are, you know, not feeling great about the uh, the Marquet of the world. For for some reason, we're out, we're still doing more uh, reporting on that. Yeah, please please follow up on those sources. Um, no, it's just interesting. It's just an interesting trend. We've got Stephen today with us, and more than uh, happy to have. Oh, Stephen by the way, today very happy to have. Of course, of course, and uh, Sarah last week, but uh, young Joseph hasn't made an appearance for a few weeks, so I'm not sure if Joseph listens to this. Probably not, but if he is, um, I'm hope you well, Joey. That's that. That would be my alone takeaway for today's podcast. I hope Joey's well. And yeah, I'll, I'll talk to Joey's camp and I'll, I'll let him know that you're none too pleased with his notable absence time after time on these bull stage shoes. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where, you know, the, the people in the organization are telling you that it's not working for like over a year, but we still just decide to, to stick with what we're doing because, you know, it's we're getting just close enough. And on that note, we are not here to talk about Joey Spathis today as much as we love him. Wow. We're here to talk about young Kobe White and his ascendance to superstardom. Is that strong? Uh, we'll talk about Kobe. We'll talk about the way he's been playing. Is it sustainable? Uh, is this really who he is? And then we'll get more into, of course, the future forward lens uh, about Kobe as a long-term building block, as a cornerstone potentially, and maybe some broader thoughts about how the team is doing on the whole of late. Um, and And maybe if we have any different thoughts about the old rebuild that I think is probably ahead to a certain extent, but Mark, um, let's just start with like the, since the last time we spoke last four or five, six games, what have you liked about Kobe White's performance? And there's a lot to choose from. Uh, everything. Can we, can we say that? <laughs> I don't think there's anything not to dislike. I think the lone thing, the lone possession that I've disliked over the last four to five games is when he, I think it was the last game. Classic Mark was picking it? out the one thing that was bad and just leading with that. <laughs> I'm saying that there's only literally one thing that I haven't liked. Like everything else has been great. Like the one thing that I haven't liked is this singular possession where he made a good read, attacked a closeout, got to the rim, but for whatever reason decided to to pass out to, to a DeMar DeRozan sitting in the corner for a three-point shot. Like that has been his lone blemish over the last five to six games. And I think that was maybe against the Bucs. Um, if it wasn't against the Bucs, it was against the Nuggets. But beyond that, like everything else has been amazing. Like, like there's literally nothing else to, to complain about. And the only question I have about Kobe now is like, how long does the shooting run go Go for? That's that's one question, but it wasn't the immediate question I have. But like, how, like what happens next if for whatever reason the shooting calls off? which it will. Like he's not going to be continuing to shoot over 50% from the three-point line. But I feel confident that it's not going to head down towards, you know, 35%. I think he's improved his base to the point where he can be a consistent 38 to 40% guy. Hopefully he still needs to prove that, but I think he can get there. Um, so the question really is like what happens when maybe the shooting calls off a little bit, which we'll get into a little bit more. But to answer your initial question, like, I've loved everything I've seen about Kobe because in, in some respects, the, the, the team has taken on his identity in the sense that he's always been one of the more emotive, one of the more positive dudes, one of the more willing to just continuously, continuously play. Uh, you know, early on in this season as well, this team were hanging their head. We're not playing with any enthusiasm or pace at all. And that's just not Kobe. So it's been interesting to see how the team has sort of gravitated around what he does. And it helps that he's playing so damn well, which makes it easier to transition to this Kobe era, if we want to call it that. Uh, but yeah, I've loved everything he's been doing. And he's, I think most importantly for fans as well, like he's just actually made games enjoyable. 
and it helps the team is four and six over their last six games. That is also enjoyable in, in some respects. You know, putting aside the tank rebuild thing for a moment, it is fun watching good competitive games where the team ex- executes properly. And it's all happening because Kobe is playing so damn well. So uh, no real complaints beyond me, beyond that one possession, William. Yeah, and Co. Co. Mark K. complimenting Kobe. Has hell frozen over. Uh, we got a lot of comments here about uh, Cornelius saying, should the Bulls start building around Kobe? Um, let's roll the dice with Kobe uh, from Jamie Andy. Um, a lot of people are, are liking what Kobe has been doing. And I think, obviously, for good reason. But I think before digging into the numbers, which of course we're going to do, the point that you made about his attitude, I think is just huge. Like he plays with joy and that is just something that the Bulls have not had since Lonzo went down. I mean, it has really just been like, aside from the occasional DeMar DeRozan buzzer beater, it's been kind of like a slog emotionally for this team for the past like year and a half. Um, So it's really nice to see them like having a little bit of fun. And I think your point about them kind of taking on Kobe's identity of playing fast, getting downhill, shooting, uh, spreading out the floor, getting guys involved. I think he just feels more comfortable playing in that system because that's who he is as a player. And, you know, when you kind of lean into that, I think that makes a big difference. But um, you mentioned the hot shooting over the last 12 games. Kobe um, has been averaging 22 and a half points, four and a half boards, five assists on 50% shooting from the field, 50 2% shooting on threes and 91 at the line um, on 15 field goal attempts per game and 21.5 usage to put that into perspective. So obviously this super hot stretch um, before Zach's injury, which was in that Boston game um, six games ago, he was down at 13.7. So um, basically nine points per game better, um, three rebounds and four assists. So up across the board there and then the shooting splits. Uh, 42% from the field, up to 50, 38% on threes, up to 52, and 83 from the line, up to 91. So obviously things have gotten just, you know, the ball is going in at a much higher level. Um, His usage has gone up. He's getting more field goal attempts. And then even since Zach has been out those last six games, it's even better. Uh, 26, 6, and 6 on 50, 53, 88, Uh, 17 field goals, 22 usage. So he's obviously been a big piece of like why the bulls are looking good. He's been a big piece of why that they have been successful when they have. Um, But like you kind of alluded to it, is this in your mind, like let's just stick with the offensive side of the ball for a second here, because um, I think the defense weren't the separate conversation, but in, in your mind, is this the kind of thing where he's just gotten super hot and this is like maybe an extended version of some of those Kobe hot stretches, or do you feel like the things that he's doing on the court um, make you believe that like, you know, the, the baseline level of play that we're going to see from Kobe is now much higher than it has been in years past. It's both. Uh, so we, we have seen these Kobe, Kobe heaters before we saw that in his rookie season, the way he closed his rookie season, where he was averaging 25 to 26 a game, whatever it was shooting just obscenely well from all over the field, had a, a, a true shooting percentage above 60% through that phase in his rookie season. Uh, we've seen it at other times with Kobe where he goes extremely hot and then he's extremely cold. So he has got that reputation of being a streak, streaky shooter in some respects. So I'm not fully convinced that this is anything more than that. I do think he has certainly improved his jumper. He's added range to his jumper. He's clearly shooting extremely confidently. So I do think his base from a jump shooting point of view has gotten better, but I don't there's no way he's going to maintain the current percentages. So from that perspective, it is a heater. But to your point, why I why I'm not concerned about this just being a heater like it, like I have been in years past, where it's like okay, cool, Kobe's having a nice ten game stretch, but you're eventually waiting for things to cool off, and you know, can you even keep him on the court when when those things happen because his defense was so bad, his decision making was so bad. Even if those things happen in the sense that his his jumper just disappears for a little bit and regresses more to the mean, I still confident. I feel confident about Kobe being a starting level player because the things that he has worked on and improved on, the things that got him the start initially, uh, the reasons why like Kobe has just developed the way he has. Like He's now a decent defensive player. He's, I don't know if he'll ever be a good to great defensive player, but he kind of doesn't need to be either. His decision-making, I was thinking about this the other day, like 
decision making in on ball scenarios, particularly at the point guard position, is one of the hardest things to develop in basketball. And it's kind of one of those things where well, I, I used to hold the the opinion that you either have it or you don't. You can sort of hone those things. Maybe you can sort of improve it by five to ten percent, something like that. But generally speaking, you you either have those tools or you don't, or you have that mentality or you don't. And I just always assumed and thought that Kobe just had no scope to really get to beyond passable from a decision making point, a decision making perspective, which is why I always just thought, all right, this guy's a six man gunner. Like he's just going to be a scorer. This is who he is. That's fine. There's a va- that's a valuable role in the NBA. But the leap he's made from a decision-making standpoint is it's not like, how do I word it? Like, well, I don't think we're necessarily celebrating that enough because uh, to me, at least, I think that is something I didn't foresee happening. Certainly not to this extent. And to have made that leap, like it was starting, it started last season, um, even though his numbers weren't great last season, in some respects, they were career lows. But we all felt better about Kobe White last season than you know any other time during the first three years of his career. So it started last season, but the way it's sort of developed and grown over this off season to where it is now, I, I, I'm actually quite comfortable with Kobe and the decisions he's making. Like I said before, there was one bad decision that I've seen in the last five or six games. One. Everything else has been good or sound or reasonable or you understood the logic behind it all. So that's, that's a long way, long-winded answer, William. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, I expect the shooting to cool off. But even if it does, I still think you have a good player on your hands here. And I think uh, I think it was Nova Damas in the comments here suggested or said something that I feel similarly about where Kobe isn't necessarily or maybe the guy, but he's now a guy. And I think that's a good way to put it because I entered this, this season thinking, cool, Kobe can be a role guy on this team. He's paid like one, whether it's a six-man or a pinch-hitting starter, a point guard. He can be a decent role player, whether it's for this current team or the next iteration. But over this last sort of 10, 15 games, my thinking has now moved from Kobe is just a role guy to, okay, maybe Kobe can be one of your guys. I don't I don't think he is the guy to rebuild around, let's say. Um but can he be a third guy of a good team, a really a, like a decent rebuilding team that's got got its shit together? Then I'm starting to think he can be. So he's eclipsing all of my expectations at this point. Yeah, and that's I think that's a, a great point there at the end. Like he's he's like made it clear that he, even though it's just like 12 games here, which I think we can all acknowledge is like not the biggest sample size. He has done enough for me that he is like clearly a piece going forward. Um, whether that's the second or third, I I don't feel like I'm quite there yet with him being like the franchise cornerstone. We'll talk more about that. Um, but what he's done to improve his game, I want to highlight a couple of things. Um, one is just like you, you kind of mentioned the uh, decision-making. I think a lot of that has to do with the pace and the speed of the game. He's always been super fast. He's always played at one speed. This was the point that Ricky and Jason were making on cash considerations, which is obviously always a must listen. But I, I totally agree with Ricky's point that like he and, and we've talked about this before, too, but he's really gotten good at like, you know, the stop and go at going from, you know, at shifting gears, basically. And I think when you're able to do that, it gives you a little bit more time to be able to make decisions, gives you some more optionality when you've got defenders kind of off guard. Like there were times in the past when he just wasn't really able to beat guys off the dribble because it was just always go, go, go. And sometimes it's hard to do that. You know, you can only outspeed so many people in this league. And I think he's really developed um, in that sense. And I, I think that just like that opens up the playmaking. It's like all these things coming together, right? But I, I, I think that the ability to kind of, um, I think he's now in command of the pace of the game, whereas before it felt like he was, you know, a person being like thrown around at in the open ocean, like based on the waves and like what was happening. And now it feels like he's like much more in control of that. Um, and I think that really opens up a lot of elements of his game that we're starting to see more with the passing at eight assists last night. Um, I wrote about this after the game, but like his deep three point shooting, I think for one, like he's just, even though it's only been 12 games, he is now being treated like an absolutely lethal, like you absolutely have to close out and run him off the line type of scorer. And when he 
like trails and transition and shoots 26, 28 foot threes and makes them, that completely changes how defenses have to guard you. Now they're rushing up to try to run you off the line and he can pump fake and take two dribbles and step into like a normal three pointer, or he can get downhill and they're playing five on four. And that's where like the stop and go stuff comes into play. And he's able to make reads. And I I just feel like the game is really, uh, he's like in command of his own game. And I think that just with his maturity, with the the pace that he plays with, it just, it looks great. I was asking about like the shooting range and he was like, yeah, it's like, you know, definitely something I've worked on. Um, and you can really, I can really feel how like guys are trying to run me off the line now. And I was like, well, why do you feel like that has helped you? And he goes, cause I can shoot further away from the basket. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, like, how do you feel like that's changed the way that defenses have to pick you up, have to, um, guard the team as a whole. And it just like, they're pulling guys so far away from the basket. Now there's all this space on the court and like spacing has been a huge problem for the Bulls. Um, so I really, I think he has kind of dynamically changed the way that the Bulls look on offense um, beyond just like his makes and misses. And, you know, he's shooting 5% worse at the rim this year, 9% worse than last year at mid rangers. So like, even if the three stop falling, one, I think that defenses will still respect him and get out to him. But two, I think there's room for him to get even better in the mid-range and at the rim. And so, like, he could be even better than this. I mean, like I said, it's not going to be a 50%, you know, three-point shooting on 10 per game kind of season for him. But he has definitely commanded the respect of everybody around the league at this point, And they are hustling to get him off the line. And, you know, with the playmaking I just feel like that has completely changed who he is as a player. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, the playmaking, because that that forces you to change how you guard him. And before when he was just a streak shooter, depending on what kind of run he was on, you know, you don't have to necessarily go over every screen in previous versions of Kobe. Maybe you could go under because you didn't necessarily trust him to make the jumper. You wanted to keep him out of the lane and take away the speed element. Um, but also, you know, keeping him out of the paint, then that forces him to maybe swing the ball around and, you know, we'll see what he does from a decision-making point of decision-making point of view from that point of view, if that makes sense. But now the fact that he's improved the jumper where teams have to be at him or on the line, can't go under screens anymore. And now if you're going over and that help from the center isn't there or it's a bit slow or hell, it may even be there. This dude's so fast that he can break you down off the bounce and get to the into the paint and into the lane pretty easily. But the point being, like before when he was getting downhill and trying to attack the rim, Kobe was one of the most blocked players in the NBA in his, his initial seasons. Now he's made that ability or that read to get to the rim. I know his finishing at the rim is down this season, but it has been ticking up in years past. I assume it will come back. But his decision-making downhill, particularly with Vooch, like he, when Vooch got here, Kobe and Vooch were forming a good tandem, a good rhythm. That sort of went away because Kobe went to the bench when Lonzo came in, Caruso came in, and that pairing or tandem with Vooch was taken away some. But that connection has sort of been there again this season. And because Kobe has really improved as that from that playmaking point of view, he's just making that really nice drop-off pass and pick and roll. He's making that really great wraparound pass where he draws... Vooch's defender, the help comes, the center rotates to a driving Kobe, and then Kobe, you know, wrapping wrapping the pass around the, the center, finding Vooch on the roll there. So the fact that his jumper has is doing what it is, in addition to his playmaking being what it is now as well, you can't just treat this guy as some random role guy who may or may not be hot. And if he's not hot, then, you know, let's not commit our defense to it. You, you can't do that anymore. So that, that has opened up his game as well. So again, it's a skill development thing. It's the mental development. He's putting it all together. Where it ultimately all grades out, I don't know. I think it's still too early to say. And in some respects, that's a good thing because I kind of thought I knew who Kobe was and now I don't. And I mean that in a positive way. Like, I don't want to... I I, I was about to say, I don't want to put limits on it. I, I still I am putting some limits on it because I don't necessarily think this guy is the foundation of a rebuild. I don't think we're all of a sudden talking about one of the best point guards in the NBA. But what what does it actually mean? Like, is this guy a 16 point, ga- point ga- sixteen point per game scorer going forward? Is he a 20, 23, 24? 
second option, third option? Like, what does it all mean? I, I think there's still more to learn. And I think that's fair as well because Kobe himself is still learning right now how to be the primary guy. Like, this is his first real shot at it. I know he and Zach have sort of linked up initially in year one and two, but that was that was Zach's team. I know Damar and Vucci here right now, but I think they're sort of settling into that more second and third role. And Kobe is really running the majority of the show. Maybe not necessarily in the final six minutes of a fourth quarter, but certainly through minutes one and 42, it kind of feels like Kobe's team right now. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I want to talk uh, just like more about that because, you know, statistically, if you look at usage, he's still only at 22 usage over the last six games um, that Zach's been out. So like when the keys have like been turned over to him, it's not like he's dominating possessions uh, Damar has been at 28 usage. Vooch has been at 24 and a half usage. So to me, like, I think this idea that like Kobe is now the, like, give him the ball and get out of his way guy is not the case at all. I think he's obviously like initiating offense and getting the ball into Damar, uh, to get sets going. But I like, to me, I think there's more one. I think there's more room for him to expand that usage even more, but two, I kind of like him playing off of those guys a little bit like he's obviously you know capable of of creating his own offense but i think what's worked really well for for him is what i kind of argued is the reason i argued for him to come off the bench to start this year which was that like you know he's so good at what he does when he's playing off of other guys when he can kind of come in and focus mostly on scoring he's obviously taken huge strides beyond what i thought he was going to be able to do this year but I think he's doing it because he's playing so well off of Demar and off of Vooch. And, you know, we haven't really seen all three of those guys play their best games at the same time. Um, Vooch was great last night against the Nuggets, not so great against the Bucks. Demar vice versa. So I think that like we could see a little bit more, but I really like the way that he is. I mean, he's, he's a combo guard. He's like playing off of guys, but also being able to create for himself. So um, I think if you, can skew gradually skew a little bit more towards the own his own creation i think there's a lot more room for him to grow let's continue talking about that but first let's tell our friends about DraftKings sportsbook because in the nba the game can change in an instant but no matter how the action unfolds you know DraftKings sportsbook has your back this week new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for just betting five bucks on basketball Win or lose, you get an instant dub. So there's plenty of games on tonight. Um, let's see who's actually in action. We got uh, Philly and Detroit. Is that going to be you know a 60 point blowout the way that they beat the Wizards the other day? Probably. I'm taking the the Piston or the uh, the 76ers money line. But there's plenty more options to choose from. So if you want to get in on the action, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CHGO. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for just $5 betting on basketball, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, only with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportbook for details and state-specific responding gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. I don't know what DraftKings are offering for Kobe White with three or more threes, but uh, that streak is still streaking. It's a lock. So it's uh, yeah, it's seemingly a lock at this point in this point in time. But if you want to get down and watch Kobe White and the Bulls do their thing, maybe not. Well, maybe you can when if you're in Miami, if you're traveling to Miami. The Bulls have got a couple games in Miami coming up. Uh, if you want to get down there, or maybe when the Bulls come back and you want to go see the Bulls, you need to get your hands on some last minute tickets. I understand how everyone can be frustrated when you use the. Uh, the old established ticketing sites, but uh, there is a fresh new kid on the block. It is game time. They've got the best, absolute best last minute ticket deals that you could possibly have. So if you want to grab, get your hands on that next big, big uh, next big event, if you want to buy some tickets to that, whether it's sports, music, comedy, the Kobe White show, whatever it might be, 
all of these killer last minute deals all on one platform. You get it all. Great pricing. You can get the ability to view your seats before you purchase. And uh, you've got the best price guarantee when you do so, friends. So I suggest you use, you download GameTime app. And when you do, use promo code CHDO. You will get $20 off your purchase of your tickets. So get in there. Go see that Kobe White show and do it for $20 cheaper. What a deal. What a deal indeed. And quite similar to Kobe White's three years, $40 million contract. That's looking mm. like a pretty tasty deal for the Bulls, who now oh, yeah. could potentially be building around this guy playing as well as he is. Um Mark, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, take out like the immediate, what are the Bulls doing? What's the plan? Like you've got Booch, should we trade Damar and Caruso? What, what are you going to get back for Zach? Let's put all that aside for a second. And just like, hypothetically speaking, if you could create a lineup just with like player archetypes, not necessarily like individuals, like where does Kobe fit into that? And how do you best maximize him? Because I think at this point, whether he's the first option or the third or fourth or whatever it is on a good team, he's clearly there, right? He's clearly a piece of what the Bulls are going to be trying to build moving forward. And I think a lot of times, you know, it's hardest to find the guy, right? You need a, you need your superstar and that's the hardest thing to find, but you also need to have the right guys around him. I think Kobe, to me, slots into that, like, you know, that guy who can play off of a star really well. I think he's proven that playing alongside DeRozan and Vuj, but I'm curious what you think about you know, in, in sort of a perfect world, what kind of players work best around Kobe that could actually put on the floor a, a very competitive team? Well, for me, uh, there's a few Jamal Murray uh, comparisons happening here on the comments on YouTube. Uh, I think that's still a bit too strong for me at this point, given what Murray has grown into. I understand why that comparison makes sense. You know, bigger combo guards taken at you know, with seventh overall, both I think they're both seventh overall picks. Mm-hmm. I get it. Their games are similar in some instances. That would be an extremely good outcome for Kobe White. That, that comparison was there on draft night too. So I get it. It's still probably a little bit too much for me, but can Kobe, at least the playoff version of Jamal Murray, regular season Jamal Murray is maybe a different story, but can Kobe get to 75 to 80% of that? Like I do think that's now in play so the way i'm viewing kobe right now and again coming back to a comment i made before i'm just trying to not be uh so quick to apply apply limitations on what this cat this guy can or can't be as i have been in the past like i still at this stage would prefer him to be my second guy my second side offensive creator so ideally i would still want to pair him with a true lead option the lead option that would ultimately be the one running the offense, uh, orchestrating the offense, who that is, where that needs to be, whether that's a, another backcourt person, whether that's someone in the wing room, whether that's someone up front. I don't think it really matters. And the reason why it doesn't matter is Kobe's shown us that he can manipulate his game around a lot of different players and a lot of different archetype of players. I can see De- uh, uh, Kobe fit- fitting next to someone like someone like a DeMar. I th- Kobe plays really well off a passing big like Vooch. I think Kobe could, could, could go coexist next to next to someone like a Luca or a LeBron. Like I'm thinking about Kobe right now, not to suggest that the Bulls should be trading Kobe to the Lakers or anything like that. I'm, it's the wrong guard to be sending to Los Angeles. But what would Kobe look like next to LeBron and AD in that Austin Reeves or D'Angelo role? Like I think you could really be quite productive in that role. So like that to me is where I see Kobe right now. Whereas previously I was like, no, he's a bench guy, you know, something like that. But can he be on that Austin Reeves path where he's legitimately the third guy on that Lakers team and in some instances running the show for offense? But, you know, typically you feel good about him being that second side creator. Like that to me is what I think Kobe is morphing into right now. So from that standpoint, you still need to find guys one and two, which is the hardest thing to do in basketball. But can Kobe be that number three? I think he can. But I don't necessarily think it matters what the archetype is 
you know, as to who those players are, one or two, because I think Kobe is that is malleable in that sense. You can play him on ball, you can play him off ball. The way he's developed, you feel confident with him in pick and roll situations. You feel confident that he's going to make those decisions. You, you feel confident that he can spot up in the opposing corner and can keep the defenses honest and the help won't sort of seek down into the lane. So he can fill a number of different roles. So that's another good thing about Kobe White. I, I don't have any concerns about who he can't or can or can't be paired with, like I did in years past, where I felt, you know, concerned about pairing him with Zach and Kobe in the backcourt defensively. Now, I don't really have that concern, I guess, because Kobe himself, at least, has improved on defense. So, again, a long-winded answer by me, but I, I, I kind of think he fits with a lot of different things right now. I think if you distill that answer down to, like, is he the first or second option? The answer is probably, at best, a second option. Um and I want to give some credit to AK here because I don't do that very much. But I think like Kobe works really well off of Damar and Vooch. Like I think that's kind of a ideal situation for him where you have a big wing who can create his own shot, but is also a willing um, facilitator. You have a big man who, you know, I don't think Vooch is really playing. He's playing well, but like not the the style that I think would most sort of optimize around Kobe. Like he's taken two and a half threes a game is like mm-hmm. the lowest since you know 2018 um he has not been a productive post scorer um obviously the bulls have taken a slide back defensively i think he's a part of that so but like somebody who can play make and facilitate and shoot and run high pick and rolls and you know the ball doesn't stick with him i think that's the kind of big that he needs so like if you put him next to an Embiid or Jokic type of player i think he plays really well off of them i think that's where the jamal murray comparisons are starting to come from um but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that like sort of the recipe that the Bulls have laid out with having a primary ball handling big wing in DeMar and a facilitating, you know, shooting post-scoring center actually works really well for a guy like Kobe. And I think the reason why is because Kobe is playing kind of like the version of Zach that I think everybody always wanted to see. And what I mean by that is he is scoring at a high level. He's shooting the ball but he's not like dominating possessions and the ball is not sticking with him as, as much as it has in, at times with Zach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Zach takes up 28 or 30 uh, percent usage every game, right? And so, you know, Kobe had 17 or 18 prior to Zach going out. He's stepped up and taken like 50% of that or 60% of that with Zach out, um, but he hasn't taken all of it. And I think that is a pretty important distinction where like, the self-created, no, 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 Damar, I got this one. That stuff is kind of gone. And I think it's it's made the offense flow a lot better from minute one to minute 48, um, as opposed to just like kind of the your turn, my turn stuff. And I think it's also given opportunity for Patrick to come in and take an additional five or 10% usage of what Zach has uh, vacated for mm-hmm. Io to come in and take five or 10% of that for Javon Carter and Tory Craig to come in and, and gobble up a little bit more usage. And I think the takeaway for me is that like as much as you kind of need a big three offensively to like always have two really good guys on the court at all times, if those three guys, and I've said this before, but if the, all three of those guys are like slow it down ISO players, it becomes really hard to manage that and f- to to have offensive flow around that. But if you have two of those guys and they are better at alternating um, and you have a couple of, of more guys who are better at spacing out the floor, who are more willing to play and move off the ball. Like, I think this, this kind of point I was making earlier about Kobe's usage. I mean, I don't, I, I don't really view him as the primary creator in this group. Um, I view him as kind of like a toned down, but like optimized version of what Zach always should have been. And I think that's working really well because he can enter the, to enter the ball to DeMar in the mid post area and you know, go flare off of a Vooch screen and catch and shoot a three. Um, or he can get right into a pick and roll, but he's like making quick decisions and getting off the ball. He's getting uh, guys the ball up ahead in transition. And I just feel like the way that he's playing really works well with those kind of guys. I think the question is like, is Damar and is Vooch the guy that should be in that role moving forward? And I think that's where you start to have some questions about like the longevity of this group and what are you going to do with Demar this summer? And, you know, did you overpay for Vooch and all this stuff? Like if you put a really good decision-making three and D guard next to him 
um, who's not super ball dominant and you have a, a big wing initiator and a center that can like, you know, make plays out of short roll. Like that's a, that's a blueprint. I, I really do think you have to credit AK for kind of visioning, envisioning um, that formula, that blueprint. Um, unfortunately it didn't work, but like, I think the sort of the foundation and the pillars of that make a lot of sense for a guy like Kobe. And now it's really about finding the right guys that operate in those other pillars because yeah, I just, I don't know that Damar and, uh, and Vooch are going to be around or good enough long enough for, for it to really work with, you know, Kobe's timeline. Well, you're, you're more, you're more willing to give AK credit there. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to give AK credit for Kobe being an extremely malleable player now based on his skill development, but um, shout out for you for doing so. <laughs> not, not necessarily like accrediting AK for Kobe's malleability, but uh, crediting AK for envisioning a formula that can work with that style of player. And I think it's more um, a demerit for Zach for not being that guy or thinking he's more at the expense of the rest of the group. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. But at the same time, someone <laughs> like Toby enables something like that to maybe work, let's say. So I, I don't, I'm not prepared to give him too much credit for that one. But I guess the I'll, point I'll, being... Uh, I'll have my, my issues with AK later on in the show. Don't worry. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. In terms of... The, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The vooch Demar thing in the longevity piece, I think we do know the answer to that is and there is no longevity with this thing. And it may not be... I mean, just even if they all come back next season, there is no longevity just due to their age. Like Demar is 34, will be 35 next year to... Vooch is 33 now, will be 34 next year. So just from a pure uh, age perspective, those guys aren't on the timeline. But in terms of a framework of players that work with Kobe and do Demar and Vooch work with Kobe, I think they do. But like I said before, I think Kobe could work alongside a number of different players right now based on how he sort of developed his game. That wasn't necessarily true in years past, but it, it can be now. So when you were talking before, like I could imagine... I, I pitched a scenario before where Kobe, if Kobe was in LA playing off LeBron and AD, like that would could completely work. I could see Kobe in the Kyrie role right now playing next to Luca. I could see Kobe in Boston playing next to some big wings like Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum in that Kemba type role, or the thing they were trying to achieve with Kemba in, uh, a few years back. So the point being is I think he can work with a number of different players, but I think what's very, very clear to me based on you know watching this team over the last... Well, since since Zach's been out, however many games that's been now, when Demar is off the court, and maybe depending on when if Vooch's on the court or not, and and the type of game he's having, I, I'm not I'm not loving the amount of work that's uh, or the amount of responsibility that's been put on Kobe's shoulders right now, and this team really needs to prioritize on ball creation. Now, how you get to that point, I'm open to ideas. Maybe that point, maybe it is Demar Derozan. I I don't subscribe to this theory that Demar has to be gone next season, uh, and, and that being an absolute answer because I don't think we should, we're in a position right now with the balls where we should have any absolutes. Because all right, cool, you jettison off Demar Derozan, but you don't necessarily replace his ball handling. You get some, you get, you get in some young guys, but maybe those young guys aren't necessarily on ball creators too. Then then what are we doing here? Have we got back to the same situation from a rebuild standpoint where everything is falling on one guy? That one guy is maybe being miscast as the guy. And are we going to do with Kobe what we've done with Zach? I don't want to go down that path as well. So that's why I'm not someone who subscribes to this idea that demand needs to go, that he absolutely has to go. Obviously, if he's asking for a max deal or anything close to that, then yeah, yeah fine. But if you can't trade him for a reasonable package at the deadline, and if he wants to and is willing to come back on a reasonable contract to sort of bridge that gap so it doesn't all fall on Kobe, while you're, and, and that buys you time to sort of find that next on-ball guy to put next to someone like Kobe, I'm not against that idea as well. So, uh, But I think what is very clear, you do need to find that additional ball handler to put next to someone like Kobe because... I don't think Io has it in him to to get to that point. I've always been skeptical about Patrick Williams's ability to be an on-ball guy. I don't see anyone else on this roster beyond Demar and Vooch who can necessarily create a play for others. So at that point, what are we doing? Like that's that's the next question. That if we're confident that Kobe can be an on-ball guy, and we 
don't know if Demar's going to be here, then who is going to fill that Demar role? What do we do? Like that's that's that to me is kind of like the most pressing question going forward. I think. And I think that's exactly the point that I've kind of been talking around and trying to make is that like Kobe is not. I, I know like people want to just like Kobe's been playing great, so let's like give him more and more and more usage. Like let's everybody you know pass Kobe the ball and, and let's let him be everything to this offense. And like that's not why what we're seeing is working what we're the reason why it's working is because kobe is not doing all that stuff because he has damar and vooch to play off of and he has more space to create but he also has he's not overburdened by having to create everything i think that's why kobe has struggled in the past i think it's why he's succeeding now and i think when you say you need to prioritize ball uh you know ball handling and shot creation in the draft or in the next rebuild whatever it may be I think you're absolutely right. And that's, I think, ultimately why I come down on like Kobe not being a primary guy. I don't want to take that away from him or say that he can't do that. Um, I think the way that he's improved, like that's possibly on the table. But I also think you're absolutely right that like the reason why the last rebuild really struggled is because it was, okay, Zach and Lowry and Wendell and Kobe, you guys figure it out. And I think that can really stunt the development of some younger players. They, they sometimes need um, veterans who are still really good to be able to unburden them and help them create. And I think we've gone the complete opposite direction of that with the Vooch, Damar, and Zach trio to where they just have so much of the usage that the young guys can't really stretch their legs at all. And not to say that they don't have opportunities because they do. Um, mm -hmm. And as role players, they still have chances to make an impact. But yeah. I think when you go from zero veterans who are like good at creating offense to three who are good at creating their own offense. There's, it's, it's just a really tough transition for those guys to make. And I think when you're talking about creating uh, or prioritizing shot creation, I think that's absolutely right. It's the hardest thing to do in basketball. And I think that's where I start to really disagree with AK um, and start to really criticize the the move that he's making because I think the less that he does to try to um, prioritize the future, the harder it's going to become for him to find that stuff, to, to find what he needs to maximize guys like Kobe and Patrick. So um, I want to talk more about that and like where we're at in terms of the rebuild and how much Kobe's play kind of affects what we think. Um, but first, I want to tell you guys about Midtown Athletic Club. It is... Just insanely nice, high-end, elite uh, athletic facility. One of the best that I've ever been to. They've got four uh, Chicagoland locations in Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and, of course, the Midtown, Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Um, it is a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, and it was re it'll be ready in early 2024. It is just the nicest place. I know we had uh, a bunch of our colleagues from uh, Adam Hogue and Herb Lawrence and Carm uh, and Kevin and Casey all went to go check it out, um, their facilities, and just had rave reviews. The Instagram video they just posted, you can guys can go check it out. Super nice amenities. It's got pickleball courts, tennis courts, indoor-outdoor pool, basketball courts, um, incredible yoga and spinning and like athletic class facilities. Um, just really great stuff all around. So if you're interested in learning more, head to midtown.com slash CHGO and you can tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. Very good, William. I wish I could do that. But uh, another thing that I wish I could do is using ComEd. I can't because I'm not in the Chicago area, but uh, a lot of you can. And William, did you know it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles? That's something that we can all all get behind because that is for the betterment of the health of this planet for, and for the well-being well -being of all of us who wish to share in its glory. So true, Mark, because the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs. And as we move with confidence towards an electric tomorrow, Dave's favorite band. So whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help you help guide you to make the changes that make sense. If you're a business owner out there, William, what should they do? Well, you can start by going to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. 
If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business and good for the planet. It's good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Sounds simple enough. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Comed.com slash clean. Go now and see how electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Um, Mark, the Bulls have uh, lost two straight games, but I think we can agree that they have looked a lot better. They look like a competent team. They've looked mm-hmm. at least entertaining of late, mm-hmm. and Kobe's a huge reason why. Um, was instrumental in that four-game win streak. The Bucks game was super competitive, super close, super fun. Um, obviously, they came up short, and I think a bit of a missed opportunity there against the Nuggets last night. Um, but over this last six-game stretch, they are 11th in offense, they're 15th in defense, and 12th in net rating. And I think AK's probably number one most happiest thing in the world is that they're only one and a half games out of 10th place. The 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 just electric tomorrow of of playing games. Um, does any of this change your mind about the the plan or um, no. the rebuild moving forward? <sighs> I'm still a rebuild tanker guy. I mean, it, from that standpoint, uh, yeah, I, it doesn't change my wider holistic view, let's say. The the one thing that has changed for me where I was certainly doom and gloom about where this Bulls rebuild was heading was headed was, again, coming back to my comment before where I just assumed Kobe would be a role guy going forward. Now that I, I think he can be a guy, I feel better about what that next phase looks like. I still don't, I don't feel great about it because ultimately the rebuild, why you want to rebuild is because you want to get your hands on a top five, top 10 guy, ideally two of them. So the ball is still are no closer to that. And the more they win games, potentially the further they get away from that reality, unless something crazy happens with Kobe or Pat or Dale and Terry or whomever, but uh, on bitter, maybe, maybe he becomes a top 10 player, but essentially that's the goal, right? With any, with any team building phase, whether it's going it through the draft, whether you're trying to trade for guys, whether you're trying to attack it via free agency, you're trying to get your hands on a top five, top 10, top 15 guy. So that's the goal. And at least for me, the goal shouldn't be trying to get to the 10th seed. So from that perspective, my view hasn't changed on anything. I like the way they're going about it. I like the way Kobe, Io, and Pat have sort of infused themselves into what this current group is doing. I like the fact that they're the ones that are sort of pushing this thing along. So even if the wins aren't coming, or even if the wins do come, and maybe that win, a couple of wins here and there, costs you the eighth, or maybe you fall to eighth instead of sixth in the tankathon standing, something like that. If it's coming off the back of the young guys, and their development, I can live with that aspect. But if it's coming from, you know, you trade Zach for role guys that continue to help boost what you're currently doing now, you retain Caruso, you go even further in on that veteran thing, and maybe you you go back to a position where you're stifling the younger guys, post a Zach uh, trade, like that's when I'll be, you know, very annoyed again. I'm, I'm enjoying Bulls basketball right now. It's a very small sample but the fact it's it's about how they're doing it, I guess. That's why this has been encouraging, and I think that's why more generally the fan base has been okay with how things have progressed over the last little week to two. It's how they're doing it. It's not Demar, you know, hero balling his way to victories. We're not, you know, winning on last last game buzzer beaters because of Demar Derozan right now. Like the other the other night in Milwaukee, it was a it was a loss. But the way Demar played with Kobe, with Vooch, with the rest of the squad. The fact that Io and, Co- uh, Io and Pat have sort of come in and done their thing too. There's just a lot to like right now. So it's it's how they're doing it, not necessarily what they're doing that's encouraging. But it hasn't necessarily shifted me from my ultimate mindset, which is let's go to phase two right now. If we can, let's rebuild. Yeah, to me, and I think, well, I'll start with what I think. To me, this is like encouragement. It's validation. It's encouragement to go towards the future. You have a guy that I think can be a part of that next good Bulls team, um, which is a hard thing to find. And I think it's a reason why in the past AK has been hesitant. And I, I just want to make it clear that like throughout all of what I'm about to say here for the next 10 or 12 minutes, however long we go, none of it's reporting. I'm just expressing my opinion. Um. But to me, it's like 
I worry and like the new fear that has been unlocked is like, okay, well, Kobe's now stepped up. So maybe there's incentive to, to keep going in. And like, is there a world where now you flip whatever you get for Zach plus some more of your own future picks to get another good guy and like keep on going? Because like I said earlier, I mean, I don't think the record really matters. Like they're going to find ways to uh, justify losses, whether, you know, as long as they're close, um, like close losses are wins, wins are wins, bad losses are losses, but as long as they're just close, it's fine. And I'm, I'm worried that um, the Bulls will just kind of continue on trying to do this thing. Now, I think at a certain point, if DeMar, the, the reporting right now is that like the Bulls and DeMar are not close in extension. My sense of this is that DeMar wants a raise from where he's been at. And I think in terms of his play in a vacuum, he's absolutely deserves it. But he's also going to be 35, and it's like, do we want to keep on building around Demar as great as he's been? I think the answer is, I think your point about like keeping him around to help facilitate the next era is one thing, and I think it's a good point. But if the if resigning him means we're going to continue on um, this path of like building around him and making it about him because the future is what matters, I think that's where things get. Um, just it, it yeah. makes me wonder like if if there is even a three-year plan in mind because it's all just about today and i think that's that would just be a huge mistake yeah look to be clear if 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 the plan is to bring demar back and have him in as the lead role and you're paying him 100 million over three years to do so <laughs> I, I don't support that thing that's not what i'm suggesting when i'm saying hey maybe Maybe just don't write off the idea of retaining Demar, unless there's a better a better thing out there where you can get yourself another on-ball guy, whether it's via the Zach trade or in free agency or in the upcoming draft, whatever it might be. Because we don't have those answers just yet, is why I can't definitively say there should be we should be absolutely saying no to Demar for next season. But to your point, if the plan is let's bring demand back at 35 have him be the first option the center point for this entire thing let's give him 3 years 100 million dollars to do it that's when i say no so and look what i ultimately want may not make sense for demar derozan because i would want him in a lesser role a second or third type option role kind of in what he's kind of morphing into right now where he's really focusing on playmaking the way he's been moving and passing and getting the rest of the offense going i think more generally has been quite positive over the last week or so does that make sense for Demar? I don't know. Does Demar want to play on a rebuilding team? You know, in, as his career is sunsetting here now, probably not. So, what I'm suggesting may not even be a thing that Demar wants to do, and Demar has some control over the situation going forward. But in some respects, sort of the ball is based on you know what we can expect to happen in free agency. I would imagine the only teams that will be interested in Demar Derozan will be more of your contender type teams contending type teams generally don't have anything more than the mid-level exception to offer so is it going to be a money decision or a winning decision for demar but yeah i i I certainly agree with you that if the plan here is just to continue doing things building off this current base adding to the uh, demar and vooch element of the team and not necessarily the kobe and the younger guy element of the team like that's when my opinion again starts to change so i think there is a balance to be had where you can have some decent veterans around in addition to these younger guys. But to your point, like if, if we go even further in, if that's even possible with these aging veterans, like that just doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, you could be with a, a good point here. And I think this is where like you and I both feel that like there actually is some justification for keeping DeMar. It's just about everything else. And he says, DeMar's baller. He's been great, but they have to let the developing players grow up. I think that's a good point. Like you can't just pay this guy $35 million a year to be a babysitter. Um, at some point, like you need to recognize that you're in 12th place and you are not even in the, the play-in picture right now. Um, but I think everything that we've heard is oriented around making the play-in. And, you know, as far away from their stated goals as they actually are, they've said they want to make the playoffs. They said they don't want to be in the play-in this year. Uh, they said they wanted to make the playoffs and be better last year than they were the year before. And they missed the playoffs last year, and now they're completely, you know, not completely out of the mix, but um, have gotten themselves into a pretty deep hole that will be difficult to dig out of. But like everything that we've heard is pretty much 
like we want to stay in the hunt. We want to shut down calls on Caruso, which is what Shams reported yesterday. Um, they want to see what happens after a Zach trade, um, which has been reported from Casey Johnson um, earlier this month. And I get that, like, but I think the way that Kobe's playing is justification to look more towards the future. Um, and I think if you don't do that, you're basically heading that way anyway, unless you like really reinvest and like put more future capital into players that can like help you win now. Um, you're kind of headed that way on accident. Like even if they do get into the play-in, even if they do win two play-in games and make it to the playoffs, even if they do look competitive in the first round and lose, they're going to end up with the 14th pick. You know, they're going to overpay DeMar because they feel like they have to, and maybe he wants out eventually. Um, but you're just kind of on this downward slide that inevitably will leave you where you're trying to, where you and I are arguing they should just go now um, so that they can actually do it by their own choice and pick up some assets along the way. They're kind of heading that way regardless. They're just going to end up, you know, with the 12th pick instead of the eighth pick or the seventh pick. And they're going to end up with maybe zero future additional first round picks instead of maybe one or two. So I think it's just kind of like wasting time. And I think if there's anything we've learned from the original rebuild and from this past couple of years of like the, the over dominant stars, I think it's that like, you can't really live that way. And I kind of made this point earlier, but it's like, there's, you've just gone way too far in the other direction to where you weren't letting your young guys develop without any stars. You weren't letting them develop with too many stars. And like, can we please just recognize that they're on, they're in a good place now, even if they're not going to end up being competitive, even if they end up outside of the play and looking in, you know, maybe they do win, uh, get into the plan and win a game or something like that's, that's where you start to look at it as progress if it's about the future. But if it's about Damar and Vooch and whatever you get back for Zach, and that's as far as you can go, that's where it's, it's just totally the opposite of that. Yeah. And that's why I still remain on the team trade Caruso bandwagon, whatever you want to call it, because someone like Caruso can get you positive value in the trade market. I don't think Damar or Vooch can, which is sort of informing my perspective on this as well. But whether it's a star guy, whether it's Demar Vooch or whomever it might be, to your point, like I just don't want to do another rebuild where you're just throwing all of these young guys out there and expecting them to to sink or swim type situation. I don't think that's productive either. So whether it's Demar, whether whoever it is, like I just want a steady veteran in place. And this is a position that I've always held. A few years back when this was Larry Zach and Wendell, I wanted Chris Paul. Um, if it wasn't Chris Paul, I would have been pushing for someone like Mike Conley. Whoever it is, like it doesn't need to be a star level veteran or anything like that. But unless you get, unless you feel confident that you have a, you know, just a, a centerpiece on your roster, like if 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 this was a situation where the Bulls had, I keep coming back to this example, the Orlando example, where they've got their Paolo and their friends, then I wouldn't be advocating for the Bulls to keep Demar. And look, maybe maybe the Bulls get lucky in the draft, and somehow someone in this twenty twenty four draft is eventually becomes the Bulls' uh, Paolo or Franz. So we, we don't know that yet. But assuming that doesn't happen, you can't do much in free agency because you're a rebuilding team. You're probably not going to be trading for that primary guy, uh, initially at least. Then, then what are you doing? I don't want to be in a situation where everything is put on Kobe and I own Pat to hopefully become something that they're currently not. I don't want them to be overburdened or miscast to the point where we break these young guys too as we have in years past like that's my main concern and i think a way of avoiding that and i think the perfect scenario for me is can you thread the needle the needle perfectly whereby you can have enough decent veterans around these younger guys who can help you keep keep you in games long enough whereby these guys are actually learning and experiencing in games that actually matter in moments than act that actually matter rather than just handing the entire keys over to these young guys and they're playing in games like the Detroit Pistons are right now where they're just getting absolutely pummeled every single game. And you could you could even question what are they learning at that point? I think Kobe right now is benefiting by playing off of DeMar and Vooch. I think the same is true for Io and and uh, and Pat. But like if it's not DeMar, if it's not Vooch, then I think I still think you need to fill those holes somehow, ideally with younger guys who can be the future. But if you can't, 
then you shouldn't just erroneously forget about that and just move on to some younger guys that can't do it and make Kobe your first option, making Pat your second option. I think if you do that, then the results are going to be very bad. And maybe the byproduct of that is then you're very bad in the 2025 draft. And um, maybe that's a good thing from that standpoint. But I don't know. There's a lot to, lot to play out here, I guess, is the point. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all transpires over the next weeks. And let's see what happens with the Zach trade. Maybe maybe they can get a pick in back in this in this 2024 or 25 draft. And maybe we feel differently about how things um, transpire based on that. But I don't know. Ultimately, uh, the, yeah. The, yeah, okay. I was just going to say, like, ultimately, I think you're right. Like, you know, it's Wednesday, December 13th uh, on Friday. Uh handful of players are going to be eligible to be traded in January. Um, another big chunk of off-season signings will be eligible to be traded, including guys from the Lakers. Obviously, February 8th is the trade deadline. And, you know, who knows what happens between then and now? Who knows how the Bulls look with or without Zach between then and now? But um, really, until anything actually happens, I think, it, you know, all of this is just speculation. I don't think it, it's worth really getting... Um, you know, too worked up either way about what they might yeah. do because so much can change now and mm -hmm. that might influence how things are looking moving forward. So, um, so a lot is, is, William. I mean, yeah. two, three, four weeks ago, we weren't talking about Kobe in this manner now. Like, so I'm not going to sit here and say in two or three, four weeks time, like we're going to be talking about Kobe being a bona fide number one option and all-star and most improved player, all those sorts of things. Like I know other people are going, diving to that extent at the moment i'm not prepared to go that far but things can change and maybe pat shows us something in the way kobe has showed us something i i don't know maybe continue kobe continues to grow so the point being let's see what happens i'm enjoying what we're seeing at the moment the owls are coming which is a good thing but the way they're coming in the fashion they're coming and you're seeing actual growth from the guys you want to be seeing growth with and the vets that are currently on the roster doing what they can to enable the young guys. I just I just like what I'm seeing more generally. I'm in a happy place as a Bulls fan right now. I'm hoping other people are as well. I don't mind that they lost these last two games. Yes, there was ex execution issues or whatever it might be, but I just like the way the team more generally is going about it. And I hope they continue down this rebuilding, retooling phase rather than trying to go into that, hey, let's trade Zach for some ready-made things and let's try to salvage a ninth seed or something like that. Yeah. Um, to me, it's like the longer they put that stuff off, the harder those decisions will become. But, uh, for now it is just a waiting game. And I think that's the fun of it, but it's also what makes it stressful. Um, but what doesn't, what isn't stressful is buying a new car from Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram and Fox Lake. They are our partners here at CHGO. And if you shop there, you'll get incredible savings on new vehicles in stock during their limited time wrap up the year sales event. For a limited time, get up to 15% off the new 2024 Jeep, Jeep Grand Cherokee with the dealer discount. At CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and drive home with more money in your pocket than you'd expect. Thanks to the Ray Price Promise. Don't miss out. Shop great deals all month long because Ray CDJR makes buying new vehicles more affordable than ever. And if you're listening, you can get a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at raycdjr slash service. So hurry in. You must book before December 31st, 2023. So if you're in the new market for a new vehicle, check out our friends at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Fox Lake on Route 12. For more information, raycdjr in Fox Lake or raycdjr.com, serving the community since 1963. Mark, anything else before we wrap up here? We've been going on for a bit, but I think we um, we got to the important points, and the important points are like the young players are playing well, and that means that like this season is not lost. And I think that's a huge step forward from where we were, like you said a month ago. Yeah, and and, and I could see our guy Fish in the comments, um, you know, saying what is this season or over already? Um, and, and I get that perspective, and in some senses it is. If you wanted to see a 45-win team who could be the fifth or sixth seed in the East, something like that. Yeah, that 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 team, that season is over. But I still think there's things to learn for this team, assuming it's the things that I want to see and and the rebuilding side of things. I think there's a lot to... The, the reason why we're, well, at least me, uh, feeling 
fine about how things are going right now is because it's Kobe taking the leap. I've enjoyed the Pat Williams ex- experience over the last two weeks more generally because it's been, well, I won't go down the Pat path right now, but he's been playing well. Same with Io. Like the guys that I want to see taking steps are taking steps. So yes, from a win-loss record point standpoint, are we playing in the playoffs, those sorts of things? No, but I, I like what I'm seeing from the guys that I want to be seeing, even from the veterans before. Like I said, I like the way DeMar and Vooch integrating themselves around these younger guys. So I still think there's a lot to be gained from this season and a lot to learn from this season itself, assuming, again, assuming that AK allows this to continue as it is currently, where you're one of the you know, not-so-great teams in the NBA, but you can see steps in the right direction. So... Hopefully that continues. Hopefully it continues. And if you want to continue to hear more just surprisingly optimistic takes on the 9 and 16 Chicago Bulls, <laughs> hit the like for us on the way out. We really appreciate everyone in the comments who's been asking good questions. Um, I'm doing a mailbag soon. I think probably next week I posted a tweet on uh, X. If you want X. to reply to that with any Good questions that I can put in the mailbag. Feel free to do so. Um, and yeah, we'll be back uh, pregame tomorrow. They're playing the Heat on Thursday and on Saturday, both games in Miami. We'll see how that goes. Um, Mark, any uh, anything left before we head out? Otherwise, Mark K at MK Hoops on Twitter and Will underscore Gottlieb. Um, we are CHGO Bulls. Follow us on Twitter. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.